Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast, Success, Secrets, and Stories. I'm your host, John Monolosky, and I'm here with my friend and co-host, Greg Powell. Greg? Hey, everybody. Yeah. And we're going to be talking about the highest level of the responsibility ladder. And yeah, it would be the responsible level. <laughs> um, Dr. Durst created this ladder to try to describe the different elements of managers and, and people who are in leadership. And there is the unconscious level, self-protective, conformance, achievement, and responsible. And what was interesting is that there are characteristics that are in previous podcasts that talk about how people interact at those different levels. The responsible level is where he based his MBR program on. And we're going to go through the elements that he used in, in one of his first descriptions called lifestyles. And it's the emotional responses, the intellectual functioning, the activity involvement, self-discipline, relationships, physical state, and spiritual dimensions. And in the previous discussions that we had, we kind of avoided intellectual functioning and self-discipline and spiritual dimensions because there's more to that. And Greg and I felt comfortable about talking about the things that you see on a uh, performance review. But yes. this is a little bit different. The, the, the people who are at the responsible level, I think the elements that are associated with it are, are kind of important. So Greg and I are going to kind of tag team and describe what it is in terms of the responsible level that I think really does speak to how a good leader is supposed to conduct themselves. And I've seen people who have done different performance levels that have shown those tendencies. And if I look at the people who I respected that were my leaders, a lot of what I'm going to be talking about and Greg's going to be talking about fall into those descriptions. They, they, they have these characteristics. So, so let's, let's begin with the first category. The first category is the emotional response. And somebody who is at the responsible level has a short duration or trigger to action. And they're stable and they're frequently positive emotions. They're, that emotional response is that you're, you're, they're not going to basically delay. They're going to act on what needs to be addressed. There isn't going to be delay tactics and, and trying to find, you know, uh, politically correct answers and really not trying to cut to the core of the question. There are people who understand that they're taking the responsibility for it and they're not going to try to finger point or blame that's that's a blame game is where it's counterproductive. People who are at the responsible level know that they need to get it done. And what's interesting in terms of emotional response, and I'm going to speak about myself and how I've applied it, I'm responsible for my team and for me. If I have a problem, I need to move on it. I don't need to debate it. How do I get it fixed? That That's what we're talking about as far as emotional response. The second category, Greg, I'm going to let you take intellectual functioning. Thanks, John. So intellectual functioning, the responsible level number five. One of the trademarks is being able to process data or information well. That means you're using your psyche, using your brain power to sift through information and data and put it in a way that you can use it to make decisions in that. These people also have or demonstrate expanded awareness. So they're not one area of focus. 
they are across the board focused. They're able to look across the board, make sure that all the data is being looked at, all the possibilities are being considered. They have uh, they they project uh, positivity and creativity, uh, and that's extremely important for a leader to do, uh, especially if you're going to be responsible. They have some creative credibility. You've got to present uh, positivity and show some creativity. And then one that's really important: preoccupation with self-actualization. A lot of people think about Maslow's needs, this hierarchy of needs, and you think about self-actualization. What is the meaning of self-actualization? That you get that impression of yourself, that you're comfortable with yourself, and that you're firing at all cylinders. You're demonstrating, you're contributing, you're using every bit of uh, brain power, and, uh, et cetera, that you have to uh, make the project work, move things along. It's that person's desire to use all of their abilities and be everything they can possibly be. And this is something that Maslow made famous. Yeah. And in really, what you've just said is listening skills. You, you really have to, if you're going to expand your awareness, you're going to be creative. You need to be listening. And there's creativity that are in your staff that if you haven't engaged and you haven't found ways to, to help them with their creativity, that's what you're supposed to be doing if you're a responsible manager, encouraging that kind of interchange of ideas. I'll, I'll take the next category of activity involvement. I, I guess I, in the process of me explaining in the previous, uh, integrated, enthusiastic, um, you know, excited to be part of the process, committed to excellence and and to be competent, resilient to failure. Because if you do, you fail. If you don't do, you don't fail. So failure is part of the process of learning. And I, I think Everyone in some of the harder situations I've been in, uh, especially the caustic environment where the budget's bad or the the business itself is shaky, if there's a failure, they're all worried about losing their jobs instantly. And you just can't operate that way. Failure is something that you try to manage. And probably the only line I ever use towards failure is try not to do a repetitive failure. You know, just, you know, it's okay if you fail, but... Not the same thing over and over. Don't make the same mistake twice. Yeah. Yeah. Just move on from the mistake. And and how do we how do we want to try to do it better? Uh and freedom from excessive striving is a term that Dr. Durst used to describe activity activity involvement and understanding, you know, that life balance piece of it. Where where does where does that piece of how you manage your process and how do you, how do you manage your life and your, your career and your job? That, that, that is all part of somebody who understands that there does need to be applications for all, not just one. Uh, Greg, I think you have the next one. Uh, Self-discipline underneath the number five responsible level. So having inner motivation from choice and that's from deep inside. Uh, John and I've talked about this a lot, patience and endurance. This individual has to show patience because they are the leader. And they've got to be uh, able to be sustain that patience over the long haul. This makes a lot of sense. Obviously, any manager, any leader uh, that's really responsible will have the ability to organize. They'll have the ability to plan and then implement that plan. And then finally, uh, the really good manager that's really being responsible will be flexible because guess what? Things change, right? Sometimes midstream, yeah. they change. 
well, what are we going to do now? We're going to stay the course? No, we might want to think about being adaptable and changing to a different course. And that's part of the responsibility of a responsible manager. And I, I, I think the next one in terms of relationship. So the responsible level has the capacity for intimacy, uh, unconditional positive regard, ability to communicate, and the ability to lead and follow. And I, I guess if I'm going to talk about relationships, it's that you're at least you're comfortable in your own skin and you understand how you're dealing with your family and you're dealing with your friends. It isn't artificial. It's, it's genuine. And if you understand those words, that it takes time and, and it takes a, a level of commitment in order to make those things work. And if you're in a responsible level, that isn't really a strain. It is a natural condition. It's a natural application. Uh, physical state. The uh, responsible level, uh, kind of interesting. You're taking responsibility for your health, bottom line. And, and you're not looking for somebody else to, to tell you whether you're healthy or not. You understand, uh, you know, it, there's that high energy element. Uh, you understand a little bit about your know, eating, your sleeping, how, how your body's reacting and you're, you're doing the measurements that you're not surprised that you have high blood pressure, that you're addressing it. Those, those kind of things that you're, they're engaged in your physical health. And usually you have rapid recovery because it isn't happening by chance. It's, it's happening by effort. You, you understand what's necessary in order to keep your health. And I think that's, that's the other part that helps in terms of having that responsible level. It falls into all these categories. Uh, Greg, I think you got the next one. I do indeed, John. Spiritual dimension. So think about that responsible manager having high ethics and values. So I remember back in the old days with performance reviews, we used to have a question about how to rate somebody on uh, ethics. Either five is high or one is low. Guess what? There's no scale. You're either ethical and you have values or you don't. So this is where the responsible manager demonstrates that uh, level of uh, high ethics and values. Motivated by love. It may seem to be uh, a little cheesy, but it's really not. It's something that you're really attached to. You want it to be successful. You've bought into the direction the company's going or the project you've got going or the assignment that you're, you're leading and you are you are you're emotionally attached to it you're engaged in it dedication to the mission if you're not dedicated your staff's not going to be dedicated and you have to show that from a responsibility level uh, what that dedication looks like making it a priority answering questions giving guidance uh, helping people get to the successful end and we say this a lot about our kids you know, fearless, little fear of death. But when you think about death of a project or an assignment or a working situation, you're not spellbound because of, oh, this might fail. You have very little fear it's going to fail because you're responsible. You've got the right team. You've got the right uh, attributes and the team has the right attributes. You're going to be successful. You go in with that attitude. So you don't go in with the attitude of, oh, woe is us. We're not going to make it. You go in with the attitude of, yeah, we're pretty much going to make this happen. It's It's... Interesting to see that people who are defeatists, people who are the unconscious, and they're, they're, they've given up before they've started. Well, no one, you know, we, we did that 30, you know, we, we did that three years ago. We, we did that five years ago. It's just, um, yeah, trying, trying to at least have an open mind and understand creativity. And all those things kind of tie into, into the other. Um, 
high ethics, I think, is is one of those characteristics. I've lost jobs because of my ethical approach. I was asked to do things that I didn't, I knew was not ethically correct. Um, the executives that I were I was dealing with were not happy with my decisions, and were trying to tell me that you know if you want to be part of the team, which is code for uh, look the other way. Um, yeah, I basically said, nah, nope, that's not the way it works. You can you can do what you want because you're an executive. You're you know I report to you, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to follow what you lead. Um, I I ethically will not. That usually doesn't help you in terms of promotability, but you but still it, have to go ahead. I'm sorry, but it helps you sleep at night. Oh yeah. I mean, that's the bottom line. I have to, I have to be comfortable with the ethics and the approach that I've used for the job, especially since I'm expecting those things from others. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later because delegation is a, a key element of the MBR process. And, and, and we're, we're going to get there. Dr. Durst uh, did a summary and tried to try to help describe the responsible level. And he used a, a few different individuals like Maslow and the self-actualization person or Carl Rogers as a fully functioning person or Carl Jung as a indiv- uh, individuated person. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and then we have Eric Bernie as a winner. I like I like that one because it's really not that hard to pronounce, and it's straight to the point. <laughs> um, people at this level, this this responsible level, show functioning at a high level of adaptability and creativity. The ultimate goal of an organization is to have as many people operating in the, on this level as possible. They're engaged. Managers are effective at this level with the undue stress evident in the achievement levels or some of the other levels we talked about on the ladder. They can make decisions and lead effectively. They provide effective feedback to staff members, which is really, really important. Their acknowledgement of positive performance and, and there's the key too, is providing constructive feedback for negative performances if the only thing you ever talk about to your staff is the negative uh, performance problems, you you've lost the opportunity of being a responsible leader. You have to talk about the positive and the negative. And sometimes they're different people. That's the way it works, but you can't concentrate on just the negative because then that affects the ability in the team. His other point is rather than blaming others or the circumstances when they experience failure, they assume responsibility and therefore are much more resilient. Their activities are directed to exhibit far more energy than the other label, late levels to accomplish their activities. Since managers at the responsible level can communicate very well, they tend to have a very positive relationship with their staff members as well as with their own supervisors. This ability manifests itself in their personal lives and maintain a very healthy balance of work, love, and play. In short, managers at this level of the responsibility level have a strong sense of who they are, what they need to do, and why they are doing it. And I, I, I think the bottom line for me is I wanted to try to push to be that level because it's really trying to find a balance between doing the job 
and helping people to advance and develop people by giving them this guideline of how to manage others. Now, whenever somebody asks me, well, what are, what are you talking about for management responsibility? What What is so unique about responsibility? I, I keep on going back to what Dr. Durst opened up his book, um, and it was the first quote that he gave in, in his classroom seminar. It was from Admiral Hy- Hyman Ripkover. This responsibility is a unique concept. It can only reside and adhere in a single individual. You may share it with others, but your portion is not diminished. You may delegate it, but it is still with you. You can disclaim it, but you cannot divest yourself of it. I have never heard words more appropriately defined to responsibility than those words. And the element that he's talking about is as an admiral, he was making decisions during the nuclear age of submarines and knew that he owned whatever he was doing for the defense of the country and making decisions that were going to affect his naval forces in the world. And he knew the sense of responsibility that's associated with it and owned it. That's leadership. And he had to delegate to other people in order to accomplish it. He didn't do everything that was associated with a nuclear uh, submarine. But I'll put money on it. His team not only helped and developed the future of submarines, they were also the ones that replaced him when he moved on because he taught them the elements of responsibility and how to delegate and how to review whether people are competent or not and how communication is the key for him and his staff. All those things fell into how he conducted himself as a military leader. And if they don't understand communication, nobody does. And that is the heart of leadership. And I've, I've talked about a, a bunch of things. I, I like I like the idea of Dr. Durst loved to talk about some of the other influences and some of the other training that he had. And he quoted Buddha, which was kind of fun. A fool is his own enemy seeking wealth. He destroys himself. Honor the man who is without passion, hatred, illusion, and design. What you give him will be given back to you and more. Buddha. But the simplistic answer is if the person is capable and is managing themselves, they are, they are going to be productive. That, that really is what I get from the Buddha quote. So when Dr. Durst rolled into from being the cause to the MBR process, there's four key elements of the MBR process. And he created this wonderful symbol and it showed four arrows that went into a circle, creating, creating this imagery. The first arrow is motivation to accept responsibility. The second arrow is delegation. The third arrow is goal setting. And the fourth arrow is feedback and recognition. If you see the loop there that's associated with it, it makes perfect sense as you're applying it. But I can tell you the arrow that is hardest to, to implement and the one that takes the most time in order to make sure that it's being applied correctly is delegation. 
you have to give up your authority and delegate a piece of yourself to another person, to another manager, to another director. If that relationship in terms of delegation is to work, you must develop trust or help that person with the professional competencies to understand what that relationship means. If that person is not trustworthy or competent, you need to either decide that training is more training is required or you need to fire them. You need to remove them from the team. There is no fun in that process. But organizations that have bad delegation teams, they have members who really don't get or want the responsibility, the, the, the trust they want to hide from all the things that are associated that we talked about being responsible, the people who are unconscious, the people who are, are conformists that are just trying to get their check and run out the door. If you're expecting them to pick up your trust and an element of your authority and represent you to others, it's not going to happen. Now, you can try to train it. And I've, I've tried. I've had a manager that I, I gave him my, the books on MBR. I, I tried to train him. I, I worked for years on how this leadership element of it is different than how it's been taught and applied in the past. And he needs to modify that. After a year, I felt that I had done everything I could to help him make that transition. And he just didn't get it. And it wasn't for the lack of trying. He was trying, but it was just not part of who he was and what he wanted to do. He had different priorities. He had different ways of interpreting information. Okay. But it was my job then to let him go. I could have made that decision 12 months before I actually did. But I wanted to make sure that they had every op- he had every opportunity to learn from me and understand why he was failing and give him examples of how that, that thought process needs to change. You shouldn't need 12 months to make that decision. There's, there's these things called a PIP. And Greg, I think you've used the PIP program. Uh, and maybe you can talk about that a little bit. Sure thing, John. Yes, PIP stands for Performance Improvement Plan. Um, and I've used it quite a few times. And I'm going to tell you a couple of things. First, uh, there's a notion that says, until you fired an employee, you really aren't a manager because that is so, so difficult and gut-wrenching to do. But I also will say to those sports enthusiasts something that Mike Tyson said, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And <laughs> I'm here to tell you there's a soberness, there's an awakening when you have an employee that's just not doing what they have to do because all my employees are great. They should all do what they're supposed to do. That's why they're here. Well, guess what? In the real, in the real world, that doesn't always happen. And so you come up with a performance improvement plan. And it's just as the title uh, sounds. You want to improve their performance. The goal is to help them get where they need to be. But it's also supposed to get their attention because you're also telling them your job is in jeopardy. You're not performing at the level we need. We think you, from the time we hired you, have the capability to be successful, but right now you're not. You're not on the right path. So with that PIP, with that performance improvement plan, you get their attention and you work. Your goal is to help them get where they need to go. But guess what? You're the manager. There's only so much you can do. There's a whole lot that employee has to do. And so you can't walk away from this level of responsibility. If the person needs additional training, you know, that, that's, that's fine. But if, if the management employee doesn't deal with these, doesn't address the situation, then that management employee is probably in a job in jeopardy situation because that's part of their responsibility. Again, it's tough and it can be gut-wrenching, 
but you you really put a negative cast on the rest of the organization if you allow that poor performer to continue to perform. And you're affecting the other people that report in that department by not addressing that manager um, and accepting their incompetence or their indifference or whatever it is that's, that's holding them back. You're, you're basically affecting others and that's not fair to them. So like in my case, when I had that one individual that was struggling, I was managing around him. I was co-managing. Maybe you want to use that term, making sure that the things were still getting done that should have been done and the advancements and the dismissals and, and putting in the right programs and, and setting up the right schedules. Those things were still being accomplished. But I was trying to do that, helping this manager to see what it was that needed to change. I said he would have, in terms of a PIP, a better understanding of where the disparity is at. Well, and anyway, that that gives you at least a, an understanding of the responsible level. And as you can tell, I'm kind of passionate, and Greg is is passionate about people who are capable of doing this work, and we try to help over the years to get to this level. And we're looking for these characteristics, and any organization is looking for these characteristics within leadership. I would also offer that when you're interviewing, you should hear some of these words in an interview for the next organization that you're going to work for. If none of these words like ethics and mission and uh, communication and feedback, none, none of those words actually are being applied ask questions. <laughs> you want to you want to make sure if you're going to make a decision, a career decision, some of what we're talking about is a responsible organization. Cuz there are those organizations that are just sleepwalking. They call them cash cows. And they they're making their money and they stop realizing innovation because there, there's money that's coming in. And sometimes that's not the organization you want to tie yourself to. Be aware, I guess, is my point. These descriptions are helpful in an organization for the individual, and especially if you're looking to make a move and not make a misstep, but what is involved in terms of that analysis. So, Greg, what are we going to be talking about in our next podcast? So, John, next time on our podcast, we'll have a discussion of the MBR process. Hmm. of those responsible levels that we've been discussing over the last so many episodes. We'll talk about the responsible leader's approach to basic management style, use of authority, and goal setting. Yeah, another another applications, exactly. So it's it's trying to bring um we've we've brought you at least a lot of the concepts that Dr. Durst talked about in being the cause. Um now we're gonna bring little samplings and pieces of the MBR process. And I think that's the important part that we're going to be talking about next. So if you like what you've heard, ah, there's the music. My book is available on Amazon.com and Lulu.com, Building Your Leadership Toolbox. Uh, Secrets, Success Secrets and Stories podcast is on what you're listening to and other popular formats. Thank you. Dr. Durst's book, and MBR program is available at successgrowthacademy.com. And the music has been brought to you by my grandson. So, yeah, I, I love that music. Well, thanks, Greg. Thanks, John. As always.
next time. Next time. Yeah.